Welcome to episode 75 of Control the Controllables. Today's a special episode, one because I think 75 podcasts really marks a great occasion for Control the Controllables. You have to be doing this for the last few months and to then look down and say, wow, 75 episodes. I thought long and hard, who are we going to get for the 75th episode? And I thought of Mr. British Tennis. A lot of you have mentioned him. All of you will like him. He has a great story to tell. His story is continuing. He's been part of the Davis Cup, Great Britain Davis Cup squad for the last 10, 12 years. He's pretty much been part of British Tennis as a player and as a coach in many different roles for the last 40 years. Today we bring Colin Beecher to the show and honestly I felt like we were just sat in the pub having a chat, sharing stories. He does it in such a such a fantastic open way, uh, easy to connect with Beach and it is a bit of a long podcast, uh, maybe take it, in, take it in part one and part two but we'll put it all out there, it'll be a couple of hours and, and I promise you that you'll really enjoy the chat. You'll enjoy Colin's story. Some is a great story about Ivan Lendl uh, towards the end of the podcast that you have to listen to. Uh, and he's just he's just such a lovely guy who's who's achieved so much in the sport in such a humble way. And and I know you guys will all will all love it. Uh, a little shout out to you all. Thank you for continued support. Um, as I said, you don't get the seventy five podcasts. If you don't stay motivated to do this and you guys keep me motivated, the the fact the messages that we're getting, the ratings and the reviews that are coming through, please do continue to take a couple of minutes to do that and keep getting these podcasts out there. But without further ado, I'm going to pass you over to Colin Beecher. So Colin Beecher. A big welcome to Control the Controllables. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure, pleasure. Looking forward to it. And it's been, like I said, Beach, you've been right at the top of the list. I've been building you up for the number 75th episode, which is a, a big landmark for, for the podcast. So it's a real privilege to have you on, mate. No, really looking forward to it. Obviously, I've been, you know, I've been listening to quite a few of them. I'm thinking, oh, when, when's Kira going to ask me to do one of these? So... Uh, so it was nice that now I've got my chance. You were all, always in mind, Beach. But yeah, to, the, to those listening, so Colin Beecher, going back a little bit of time, but I remember, I'm sure it was Nick Gould that you beat at Wimbledon when I was a youngster. Is that correct, Nick Gould? Yeah, so obviously that was um, that was the, actually my only time I uh, you know found myself in Wimbledon and got a wild card into Wimbledon that year. Um, and then it was one of those where, you know, you think, okay, you know, the draw comes out and I suppose part of you thinks, oh, it'd be nice to play a big name and be on a big court and the draw comes out and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm playing Gordy first round. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the, the initial reaction was a little bit like, oh, but then I actually kind of walked away and thought, well, there's probably not too many players in the draw I can kind of beat here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought, well, this is, this is, a, you know, this is a good opportunity. Um, and, uh, and I did, and I got the win. I remember it six four six four six four nice. um, with a lovely bounce smash to finish on match point. <laughs> um, and and as I say, that was the only year I actually you know, like I say, I played Wimbledon. 
Yeah, great Mine. memories. And, yeah. and like I say to the listeners, so uh, Colin was also obviously a very high level player, got as high as 264 in the world ATP in singles, 345 in doubles. Um, as anyone that's in British tennis knows Colin Beecher and, and Beecher, the biggest compliment I can give you is they know you because you're a good dude you know, and because you're a great coach, you know, and I think you've had a big impact on, on the whole of British tennis, but coach many top British juniors and players, a Davis Cup winning coach and a current coach to Kyle Edmund and also working at JTC, helping many of the, the up and coming juniors as well. I think the hard part for me, Beach, is what topics I go down with you because you you are and you have made yourself almost Mr. British tennis over the years and, and continue to give and give. Um, but I'd like to start with you as a player, you know, yeah. where, where did your playing start? Where did this passion get installed in you when you were younger? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Great question. I think it basically started through my, my, my parents both actually played, um, but it was more my 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 grandparents. Um, you know, my, my my grandmother. She actually played very well, um, and and I think I got started. You know, very probably around five or six. With you know, with, with those guys. Um, at you know, at South and Norwood, which was very near Crystal Palace, which is obviously the, the football team I support. Um, and you know, the journey started there. Um, in in, you know, in starting out playing tennis. Um, but then I think if you kind of fast forward it, you know, a little bit from kind of six to 12, I was actually one of the original boys um, to get chosen to go to Bisham Abbey um, to the LTA um, National uh, School, uh, which Derek Bone um, was, was, was the instigator in that. So, uh, you know, that, that started, and there was basically four of us that went there. Um, and I think from, you know, from when I was basically spent, you know, the years from 12 to 18, you know, at Bisham Abbey, uh, you know, going to kind of local school and, you know, and just basically learning my trade and, you know, through the juniors, at, you know, at Bisham and, you know, and hand on heart, you know, I, I loved every minute of it there. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time spent, you know, in, in that environment. Yeah, because we've had, I guess, on, on the podcast, we've had a lot of the Bisham boys, but probably yeah. the the generation after you. So, yeah. you know, all we were the Ian Barclay, I guess, era, you know, Simon sure. Dixon, James Trotman, um, Lee Childs, you know, all of guys that I'm sure you ended up working working with as, as a coach yeah. as well. So who, who were the other original four then at that time? Andrew Foster? No, so the original four was um, Uli Naganga, yeah. Nick Smith, and David Harris. Okay. Um, so, so they, they, like I say, we were the original four, and then each year it would kind of, you know, a couple more would, would you know, would, would, would get added. You know, Andrew Foster being one of them, Danny Sapsford. I mean, um, Simon Booth. Um, yeah. You know, it was uh, Harry Mazantha. So, you know, we, we saw a lot of players, you know, go go through that, um, you know, through that system. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the only thing I would say is that when I, Andrew Richardson, I mean, you know, there's a lot of names there. And, it, and I, th I suppose the one thing that, you know, kind of saddens me a little bit, if you really dug deep with it, you know, there's actually not many of those people, certainly in my time, mm. that are actually still involved in the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, and I think, I mean, it's pretty much safe to say, probably only really my, you know, well, certainly I've had that original four, mm. you know, that, that's, that's, that's still, you know, massively involved in, you know, in tennis and, you know, and British tennis. 
I think it's slightly different in your, you know, your, you know, your time with, you know, with obviously, you know, Trotz, yourself, Marty Lee, you know, you, you're still heavily involved in tennis, yeah. but, but my time, you know, that, that, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Well, I think if we, if we take my time at Bisham, I think every single male that was there mm. is still heavily involved as kind of their primary job exactly. in, in, in yeah. tennis. Yeah. The girls, not so, not so much. So any, any reflections or yeah. reasons why you think that happened in your, in your time? Um, I, I think that, I think a lot of it boils down, down probably to the, to, to the love of tennis. And, and I think that, you know, probably from day one, you know, even out of that original four, I, I always felt that I was actually the one that kind of, you know, genuinely loved it. Um, yeah. And I was so intrigued by even like the coaching side of things. I remember I always used to like record, you know, sessions that, you know, that the coach did with me. I was probably the first. I remember that, you know, we, we used to play matches, obviously, you know, of course against each other. But on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night, um, you know, that they offered us up to play against older, older people. Yeah. Um, and I remember, and I was like the first to say, oh yeah, no, I'd love to do that. So, you know, seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, you know, I would play Clifford Bloxham, you know, yeah. the best reset match or, you know, Robin Drysdale, you know, names which maybe you know, people don't necessarily know, but they were very good, you know, tennis players. Um, and, it, you know, it was a great way of basically playing, you know, a best of three match, you know, on a Tuesday yeah. night, Thursday night. Uh, so, so I, you know, I don't want to say those guys didn't also love tennis, but I think I always had that, yeah, I, I, you know, I did. I generally loved it. Yeah. But do you think that and now that you're a coach, I guess one of my one of my kind of core beliefs as a coach is as a success measure is that we in, we do ingrain that in the players that we work with a, a, a lifelong passion for the sport. And I think when when we do see players go on to be one playing playing till later days but also involved in the sport in some way I think that reflects very well on the on the coach itself you know we can't we can't all create Andy Murray's but we can I think we can create an environment that kind of cultivates that sort of passion how much of you do you think is that on on the coach or how much that is just unfortunate that maybe those players that came in didn't have that um i think i think it's a combination of both i think there's no question you know that the coach you know it can be very much driven by that because i think the one thing that you know that i've always said is that you know from a british tennis point of view so many people um you know so many players just stopped way too soon yeah um you know and and we could sit here and rack off you know yeah. numbers of players that not saying they should still be playing now but you know but it, but it saddens me to think that you know Andrew Richardson you know is a prime someone that you know stands out who was a very very good tennis mm. player he probably stopped at 23 24 years of age yeah. um you know Lee Childs is another one and I know he did a you know an amazing podcast with you guys you know and he stopped you know crazily young um mm. And I, and I think that, you know, yeah, you know, that's obviously the player themselves probably thinking it, but, but, it, but it's big time the people that they're around to say, no, come on, you can, you know, you can keep on playing. Let's try and work, yeah. you know, let's try and work this out. You know, you've yeah. got, you know, John Millman, you know, winning his first tour title, you know, the, the other day. And, and I do, and, you know, there's no reason why you can't, you yeah. know, you can't keep on playing. 
you know, if you, if you love it, you can keep on playing. Yeah. And, you know, because I've, I've always say, and I say it to my son, you know, th there's going to come a time, yes, when you probably hit 30, but you've still got pro probably another 30 more years after that, that you're going to have to start working. So, so okay, you're still working playing tennis, but, Absolutely. but it, when it comes to the real world of, right, right, let, you know, let's proper work here, um, you know, it's a long time to, it you is. know, to, to keep so why not you know enjoy if you still enjoy playing just keep on going you know that's yeah. that's what i think no no i completely agree but but also when you've got youth on your side that's the time to do it you can't take a five six seven years off and then go back to it in your 30s or 40s you know it's no, the the no. time is now for those youngsters as well is now just to, like i say just just keep on chipping away um you know and who knows you know who knows where it leads um, you know, I'm not saying that everyone's got to be, you know, number one in the world or, you know, top 50 or top 100 yeah. in the world. But why not basically just, you know, see what you can do and basically maximize, you know, your potential and, 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 and fulfill that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And where where did you and one thing that obviously I've known you for a long time, I think the first time I met you, Beach, or one of my first memories of you was. I was about 15 or 16. I got a wild card into Bournemouth Futures. Right. And and I'm sure that I was staying in the same bed and breakfast as you. Okay. And, you know, and I remember meeting you and I, I actually got cuffed off Luke Milligan first round on, yeah. on the on the clay courts there. But you've always just oozed enthusiasm for the sport. You know, you've always got the energy. You've, you've always got time to give people. Where did that happen? Has that always been the case with you? You've touched on there, even when you were Bisham, you you wanted more, you were asking for more, you wanted to play those yeah. matches. Have yeah. you always wanted to be a tennis player and being involved in tennis? Yeah, I think, that, well, there's no question. I've always wanted to be a tennis player. Um, and I think, you know, I think I always knew that, look, you know, tennis is, you know, I'm going to give tennis a good, you know, a good go. And then, to be honest, I, I, you know, I always wanted to, be, you know, get into the, you know, the world of coaching um yeah. and you know it, it was almost like you know when I, when I stopped at I think 27 28 you know I was very fortunate that I you know that I got a job you know with, with the LTA um up in Nottingham under under the guidance of Leighton Alfred yeah. but but that was almost in a way cemented a little bit even probably in the last year and a half of you know of playing I had a very good relationship with Leighton and, you know, and I'll be talking to Leighton and he always said, look, you know, Beach, if you do stop, would you be? I said, of course I would. Um, so I think that my enthusiasm has always been there. Um, hopefully, you know, my, my, my personality, which, you know, is my personality. And I probably had that from a young age um, that I've always um, been able to communicate and, you know, and, 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 and chat with people. But I think that there's no question that that comes from the industry that we're in, you know, and you think that, you know, going to live away from home at the age of 12, you know, and, and the things that you have to face and, you know, obviously we're traveling from the age of 12, you know, we're yeah. going to, you know, on trips. And so, so, you know, I always said, and my, my mum always said to me, that's almost like a life lesson in itself. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, I, you know, hand on heart, you know, I wasn't great at school, you know, should I have respected school more? Yes. Um, and if, you know, if I was speaking to anyone now, I'd say, look, it, you know, it is, it is important. Um, and I probably didn't give that enough importance because I always thought, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be number one in the world, which is slightly, you know, un unrealistic. Um, but I think just the, the life it gives you, you know, is an, is an amazing life lesson, you know, in, in so many areas. 
uh, and I think that just the fact that I was able to you know communicate with people and 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 that you know and that that's my personality and you know and, and it's kind of still like that now. I just had a little smile on my face when you mentioned school because your your legacy at Bisham. Now I I have to say I was a few years after you Beach, but I remember one day I was in. I was in Marlon. I'm sure it was a hairdresser. My memory is there was a hairdresser and it was an ex-girlfriend of yours. Okay. Now, I, I, I don't remember her name. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to embarrass you on the yeah. podcast anyway, even if I did. Right. And she talked to us about how Colin Beecher, and I'm looking at those cheekbones there, Beach. He used yeah. to chew gum all the time oh. because he, because <laughs> he believed that by chewing gum, he would really define his cheekbones. Okay. <laughs> so this was the this was the Bisham legend. So is that this a is this true? Is this true information? Well, I'm not sure if I should admit that on a podcast, <laughs> but but maybe it is true. Maybe I did think you get a good jawline by chewing gum. Um, but I but like I say, I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time, you know, at Bisham and even like Great Marlow. You know, obviously, you know, I should have given it, you know, more respect in terms of. But I think we, were, you know, so wrapped up in trying to be a tennis player that you know that the, the education almost took a bit of a back seat which, you know, I certainly wouldn't, uh, what's the word? Yeah, it, it's not, you know, that's def def definitely not the right way forward. Were you, because uh, where, I guess, where, where, where uh, what would they call it? I always forget the name, when, uh, alumni. We're both alumni of, of Great Marlow. Yeah. It was, I always, the, the thing about Great Marlow, two things. One, it, it reminded me a little bit of Grange Hill. So anyone yeah. that's ever seen the program Grange Hill, like I was, I had like four people try and fight me on the first day. I had someone try and sell me like a, a Rolex watch. She had like a jacket full of Rolex watches on the first day. But the second one is who the head boy was back in the day, Steve Redgrave. Wow. Okay. Now, now were yeah. you at school? Were you at Great Marlow at his time or not? No, I think Steve Redgrave would have been a little bit older than me, but I remember that Steve Redgrave, you know, obviously went, you know, went to Great Marlow. Um, but I think the thing that that summed up Great Marlow for me was obviously there was two of us that went to Great Marlow, and there was two and two of the other boys went to the Royal Grammar in High Wycombe, yep. which was obviously a very, you know, very good school. Um, and we would get dropped at Great Marlow first. And then they would drive on to, to Royal Grammar. Um, but we always used to laugh when it was like, you know, when we had some bad weather or some snow, um, we'd get to Great Marlow and we'd always say, for sure, our school's going to be closed because they almost, yeah. the, the first opportunity of a bit of snow, they just closed the school. And sure enough, Great Marlow would be closed. And then we'd carry on driving to Royal Grammar. And I'd say to those boys, no, no, your school won't be closed. It's too good a school that you've got to keep on going with your education. Get yeah, to Royal yeah. Grammar, their school will be open. Yeah. Um, and off we'd go back and play tennis and they've got their full day at school. Well, my short, my short fun story before we, we move into you as a, a pro tennis player, Beach, is Simon Dixon, again, who was on the podcast. And, I mean, obviously you've known Dicko and worked with Dicko. And Dicko went to the Royal Grammar School. Mm. So he was... He went that route, but the Royal Grammar School, the, the school uniform was a blue blazer and Great yep. Marlow was a black blazer. And after two or three weeks, I think he realised that it was going to be difficult to keep up with the work and, you know, the timings were a bit different. So, so his parents allowed him to, I guess, move out of the Royal Grammar to go to Great Marlow but they refused to buy him a new blazer. <laughs> so... Well, that so, so Dicko used to walk around Great Marlow. Everyone's in their black blazer, 
and it's not was, wasn't a very forgiven school at the best of times oh. and, and there's the boy in his blue blazer just having the piss taken out of him off of everyone the whole time so again it brings back good memories yeah so yeah you so i, I suppose the, the question as well i think which is good for listeners what do you think was the defining or one of the defining factors of why you went on now? I know we're not talking about you winning Wimbledon, but you won a match at Wimbledon. You were 260 yeah. in the world, you know, yeah. and we know in, in, in world terms, okay, it's, it's, you haven't set the world alight, but we also know in tennis that is a great achievement. What would you put those factors down to, to you for you doing that? Um, I think I think the biggest thing was 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 perseverance. Um, yeah. I obviously you know came out of of Bisham when I was eighteen and you know went into the kind of world of professional tennis and you know and and it didn't and it, you know and it didn't make great reading at the start. Uh, we obviously you know back then we had the thing called you know satellites, um, which you know I, I believed you know was 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 a great system and I and I kind of wish that it was still you know still you know going now with them where it'd be you know four week trips um and and so i you know started my journey on the satellites and and as i say i didn't do very well at the start and and i think i always remember you know a conversation with nigel sears um who actually took me under my wing after i I, you know i left bisham and we went to a couple of satellites and you know maybe i didn't pick up any points and we actually spoke about maybe you know going to American College, yeah. um, and and I think that I actually had an opportunity to possibly go to SMU, um, and and my point and, and both of our thinking was it wasn't maybe to necessarily do four years, but it was maybe just to break it up um, yeah. and just to have a slightly different landscape um, mm. because I'd very much been what I'd, what I'd call like an LTA boy, very much been in the system. And maybe it had been quite good for me just to kind of get away, you know, for a year or you know, maybe two years just to, you know, develop, you know, develop over there. And um, it, it didn't happen. It wasn't through, you know, want of trying. I think it might have been, you know, more probably from an education point of view. I just wasn't simply able to get into that system. Um, we definitely discussed that. But then obviously that became not an option. So I just carried on and i think that i owe a lot to um a, a person called gordon burt who was um, a south african coach actually and it was when i was around 21 i think that my my personality was that you know i was a hard worker there, there's no question about that but i used to get very kind of like disappointed um and you know and angry at times and because i had a good personality a lot of people knew my business um and it was just one day that that gordon burt just said to me said colin look everyone knows um everyone knows what you're about and what you're doing you know it's almost like maybe just take a little bit of a back seat and, and shut up a bit and almost just get on with it really um and certainly on the tennis court you know just show no almost like don't show any emotion and i'll never forget that conversation and and literally probably for the last four or five years of my career, I literally showed nothing. And, and it was actually, I absolutely loved it. You know, there'll be balls that I would miss, which maybe, you know, two years previous, I would, you know, react or there'd be some kind of drama. And I literally just shut up shop. And it gave me so much satisfaction 
that obviously, like I say, then the last five years, you know, relatively, I was, you know, I was successful and, yeah. um, and I kept going and I kept going. And, and obviously, like I said, eventually I did find myself playing, you know, a main draw match, you know, a main draw Wimbledon. Um, so I do owe a lot to, to, to that, you know, certainly to, to Gordon, you know, back in the day, um, you know, and then, and then along the way, you know, I had some, you know, some good guidance, uh, you know, with, with coaches, etc. Is it, I guess the way that you've put that, it sounds so simple. It sounds like you just, you made a choice. You And that's, and, and I, and I sometimes, I sometimes do think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yet people seem to find that so hard. Yeah. So what would your advice be to a young tennis player who, and we, we see them and I was one of them who, who, who just feel they constantly need to let everybody know that they're better than that yeah. and they shouldn't miss that. And in, what would your advice be to them? Well, I think for, firstly, it was one of those that I wish that I had obviously learned younger, you know, because the, the fact was I was, you know, I was like 21 when, you know, when, when basically that, kind of hit home to me so I regret that I didn't probably do it you know two three years you know before that um and I think that when coaches you know that that would have been in there at kind of 17 18 and I think when coaches you know generally say look you know you've got to be you know got to be trying you know handle your emotions better you know generally like listen take it on board and think right no I really really need to do something about this um, and and like you say, it, it sounds very simple, but you know it is choices. And I literally changed from one day to the next. It was almost like I said, right from tomorrow. You know, he told me on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, I literally just shut up shop. Um, and yes, I'd obviously matured because I was obviously you know 21 and and gone through a bit of a process. But it's, you know, it is about a choice and you can, you can change, but yeah. it takes, it takes work and it takes efforts. Yeah. But you, and, and, and again, a big belief of mine is you can't control the thoughts and feelings you have, but you can control your responses. You can control, you know, your tolerance. It sounds like you just tolerate. I'm sure that, and again, to those listening, I don't believe for one minute, and unless you tell me different, Colin, that all of a sudden you didn't feel any difficult emotions, but but you tolerated them. You make, made a choice to go, I'm going to tolerate this. Yep. And, and actually, this is how I'm now. I'm going to shift my attention into, yep. into this way. You know, and 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 I basically said, right, just 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 no reactions. And obviously, there's a fine line with it because we know, and and as a coach, I know when you, you know, you talk to players about, look, you've got to kind of, you know, curb the emotions a bit, you know, stay a bit more, let you know, level playing. And there's a danger then that they go too much the other, yes. and they lose the, you know, they lose the energy. So you know, so there's a fine line, you know, with that. Because you can't you can't lose that side and just be be one person that you know can be a little bit emotional to then being totally quiet. But oh, but I stayed quiet. I stayed quiet. But actually, that doesn't achieve anything either. Yeah. So it's basically finding a balance of you know of, of both really, which you know no one's saying is an easy science. But you yeah. know, but it, but, you, but you have to work at it. But um, I would I would imagine though, Beach as well though, maybe at the age of seventeen, somebody said it to you and it just didn't register. Totally. It, it, it sounds like a bit of a, a kind of timing thing that you yeah. were probably internally 
ready for something and maybe what Gordon said to you just clicked in at the right time and yep. then kind of sparked sparked that change. And then it sparked. And that's why, you know, if, if you can obviously grab it earlier, of yeah. course, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a way better situation. In terms of what I'd love to also get into as well, if I think if you can kind of stay back at you as a player, as you, you've been so engrossed in the landscape of professional tennis now for 30, 35 years, um, and, and also the landscape of British tennis, how, how different was it back in your day and what were the big differences? Um, I think that, that, that back in our day, um, obviously we, we, we did an unbelievable amount of traveling because of the way you know, like I say, the way the satellites worked, if you, you know, if you're at that level, you know, they, they would be four week trips, um, you know, for sure. And probably we, we would probably play, you know, seven to eight satellites, you know, in that year. Um, and I think that there, and that honestly made you, I think it toughened you up, you know, in, in, in many ways, you know, and, and, and it, and it wasn't easy as, as I feel, that now it's a little not 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 saying it's easy at all, but but I think there's a danger with you know with certainly with trips and and and, and travel is that you know you could go you know I hear the conversation you, you arrive at you know in Sharm or you know at that level and you say oh how many weeks are you staying for oh maybe two maybe three um, but but back then you had no choice you know you you had to. And I think what happens now a little bit is they maybe stay for two. It doesn't go that great. And they think, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go home. Um, and, I, and I think that just doesn't, it doesn't breed enough kind of right, you know, kind of, you know, mental toughness and, and, and toughness in general of yeah. kind of like staying with it. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, that, that was a, that was a, you know, that was a big factor um, you know, I, there's no question that I want to say, oh, the, you know, the level back then was, the, the level was good back then and, and the level's great now. You know, I go to, you know, you, whatever level you go to, you know, to, to become a tennis player, you know, it's very, very hard. Yeah. Now, I think it's a really good point that you're making there. And I think just so for those listening who aren't familiar with satellites, it, satellites that you would get circuit points so you would the first three weeks would be would be tournaments where you picked up a certain number of circuit points yeah. and then the top circuit points would then go through and play the masters which yeah. was pretty much double points i think in the masters it was yeah. certainly higher and then those circuit points would then translate into atp points at the end of the circuit so you actually have to complete the circuit yeah. in order to in order to pick up your atp points in yeah. order i mean i know I mean, I, I was at the back end of the satellites as they were kind of finishing. And I know I went to India and I qualified and won the first week, <laughs> but yeah. literally like, and won the doubles, did everything. I mean, I, I probably played eight matches, eight singles, four doubles in five days, then had to then go and play the next day across India and pull the stomach muscle, you know, lost first round the next week then go across india again then got a stomach bud bug found myself like literally on the toilet for a week managed to make semi-finals of that third week and then you're sitting and i know exactly what you're saying because it was it was an apps it was a marathon and yeah. yeah and it was the battle of battle of the fittest it was the you know battle of the the mental mental toughness and i think it was a great way and the second story that i'll also 
share is Katie Swan was on the podcast last week and was, yeah. was fantastic. And she talked about when she was in Sharm as a junior, the first two weeks she lost first round yeah. and she had that emotion that tennis players get. I want to go home. And her coach, Julian, who obviously did it, was doing a great job with her, said, no, we're staying. And yeah. it's fair, fair play to Katie. She then went and won the third week. Yeah. And 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 you never quite know. I, get, I have stories coming in my head all the time. I remember Djokovic again saying that to, to one of the boys when I think it was Liam Brody when he hit with Liam. You know, and he said, look, I actually made my breakthrough and got lucky. I wanted to go home. My dad made me sign in for a challenger. I And then I happened to qualify and win it. But you never quite know when your opportunity is going to come. And having that resilience and perseverance in this sport is massive. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you've hit it on the nail there. And, you know, and as I say, you know, keep going back to satellites. But, you know, that, that was, again, probably one of my strengths was that I was able to just kind of like keep on going, keep on yeah. going. And, you know, and I in say like the first three weeks, you just find yourself scraping into Masters. Yeah. And then my record in Masters would have actually been unbelievable. Right. Yeah. I kept on going, found yeah, myself, yeah. you know, winning a Masters or a semis of a Masters, and it would have been double points. Um, and, you know, and a lot of guys by, you know, that week, you know, might have tapped out. And, yeah. um, and, and I think, and as you say, you can give so many stories of people that, you know, have been on trips where they thought, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going home here, but, but somehow someone's persuaded them or there's been conversation and they've stayed and, and, and things can turn very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, you know, with tennis, you just, you know, if you just keep on going, keep on persevering, you, you know, you just simply, you never know um, week to week what, you know, what might, you know, what might unfold. Yeah, and what one great week can do to you as well, you know how. You look at Sonego last week in Vienna, lucky loser, you know, finds himself, you know, in in, in the final. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, you just like I say, you just never know. Yeah, and and what about the differences between, I guess, preparation, training, how how you looked after yourself? Has has the game changed dramatically in that regard? Yeah, I think I think that's obviously one um, one big thing that has definitely you know definitely changed. And I mean, from a physical side of things, I think I don't think there's any comparison. Um, mm. Now, is that because like I think just because of the way sports science has gone, and you know, and what people are able to you know tap into now, and you know, and the work that that can get done physically, I think that like I say, that has dramatically changed. Um, I think if you go back to, you know, to, to kind of our time, it was very much, you know, which again, th there's nothing wrong with it. And, it. and I think sometimes we should go back to basics. Um, you know, it was very much, you know, Beanie on, you know, Rocky on your Sony Walkman, you know, and off you went running. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in running and I know it, it, it can cause quite a lot of, um, what's the word? Not, not confrontation, but, you know, some trainers agree with it, some don't. You know, it's a good topic of discussion. I've always believed that I think, it, you know, it's got its place. Um, and I and I think that, so what I'm trying to say is that there's no question that the sports science now is in a different level, you know, to what it, you know, to what it, you know, I certainly would have, would have, would have grown up with. Um, so, so Beach, why are people injured more now than... <laughs> Very good question. And I think that you're, yeah. And, and I think you're, you're, you're spot on with it. You know, there are a lot of injuries. Um, do I have an answer for that? No, I, I don't. Um, but, 
you know, I, I definitely think that sometimes, yes, the sports science is great now, but I do think that we, you know, that we that we've kind of gone away from, you know, fr from your basics. Um, and sometimes we're looking for kind of like a bit of magic when really, uh, you know, the, the magic isn't there. And, you know, we just have to do some, you know, some very simple things. Is there is there a danger we're too educated now? Um, I think that there, there is a danger. I mean, you know, obviously we, we know with, with sports science, you know, sports scientists and, you know, and nutrition and uh, nutritionists and, you know, there's, there's so many factors now and there's a lot of unbelievably, you know, intelligent people. There's a lot of unbelievably good data. Um, and sometimes we can get a little bit, you know, you know, analysts, you know, which I, you know, I, I, I big time, you know, enjoy that, that, that's that side of things. Um, but sometimes we can get a little bit too lost in it. Because I just think if we take um, if we take satellites four weeks four weeks in a row, yeah, I don't think you will find a tennis player globally currently that would play four weeks in a row because it doesn't it doesn't fit in with with an annual plan or a periodization yeah. or a yeah. you know those sort of things. So why could we you? Yeah, handle. I mean, my story's not great because I actually got injured and I got ill during my satellite. But how how could you handle four weeks in a row, seven or eight times a year, 28, 32 weeks? And like you say, almost felt you were getting stronger in, in, in the Masters events. Yeah. How could you do that 30 years ago, but players can't do it now when supposedly we have more information to make them fitter, stronger, fit for purpose? Yeah, I think that probably then we, we I think simply we, we didn't know any different. Um, so we just kind of like cracked on and, yeah. you know, that, that's what we, you know, we knew that this is what we got to do. And uh, and I think probably I would I think it's probably fair to say that that back then we, we played we played so much tennis and we played a lot of hours and we, you know, and we practiced a lot Um and I think that just just the nature of what we did, we just we we just we just kept on going. Um, and 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 now, like you say, that the sports, you know, they maybe you might play three weeks, you take a breather for a week or two weeks, and you go again. Um, and it's almost like, yeah, the, the 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 science of it, you know, has definitely changed. You know, the goalposts on that. Um, but I think all our, you know, our generation back then just played an unbelievable amount of, yeah, just played a lot of tennis. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, again, I had, a, I don't know if you heard it, but I had a great chat with Kieran Vorster, and obviously you know, you know Kieran well, yeah. and, and Kieran does a great job. But I, there was something that he said in the podcast where he believes that people hide behind sports science and hide behind these sort of things. And, and I guess his take, obviously he uses the catapult and he uses all of yeah. these different bits of data and obviously interprets it in, in his own way. But like he said, he can't, he can't say to, to the U S open. Well, actually Dan Evans is Dan's high right now on his loads. So if he can actually not play for two days, if you can just, if you can reschedule his match for Thursday because he's yeah. not ready to play on Tuesday. So, so what he's saying, and I think it's a really good point, and, and and I think it's a great topic, and it's it's certainly not picking on picking on anyone with this topic. I just think it's I think it's important that we we have these open discussions on it. But yeah. he 
we we have to our players have to be ready for chaos our players have to be ready to play a little bit injured our players have to be ready to play a little bit exhausted you know and and, and i think there is the danger of sanitizing a training environment so much yeah. that that which you can maybe do as a cyclist and yes. you can maybe do it as a as a boxer who's going to have 12 rounds 3 minutes yeah. It's gonna it's gonna start at eight o'clock at night. The nutrition's gonna be there. As a tennis player, we don't know. Look at John is Nicholas Mahout, 70, 68 over over three days. You know, yeah. we are in a chaotic sport. And I think yeah. our training environment has to match that chaos, which yes. is where I do believe the sports scientists of the world have a very difficult job in tennis as well. And and it's funny you say that because basically we were just recently in Cologne. And it's exactly what we were saying. Obviously, you know, Kyle was scheduled for, you know, for fourth match. And, you know, there you are doing, you know, d d doing the warm up. You know, you've, you've done the food. Um, but then before you know it, you know, a match has gone on forever. You're about to go on again. You know, the person surfing at five, four in the second. Boom. Before you know it, he's lost that set. And there you are like, oh, OK, that's that's probably for sure. Another 45 to 50 minutes yeah. where, you know, and we were actually saying we were actually going through all the sports and we were fundamentally saying well you know literally tennis is literally probably i we couldn't actually think of any other sport that you know didn't have that you know yeah. type of you know, situation you know you, like you say football they know they're kicking off at three o'clock you know boxing they know they're fighting at nine o'clock you know and 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 as i say and i think that's where i've always said that the sports science agreed and that's where i think that that these people need to also feel it and actually come on the road and actually see, yeah. right, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is the dynamics of what actually happens. Yeah. And I think the more of those people that, 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 that see that they'll be like, Oh my God, that, that, you know, that, that's what, that's what happens. So it's yeah. more real life. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, that, that could happen more uh, just with those, with those, with those people just to, to actually feel, well, this is how it can turn out. Yeah. Yeah, no, if I was to give, if there is any S&C coaches or kind of sports scientists that really want to get into tennis, and, yes. and there's some brilliant ones, and you would have worked with some of the absolute best beach as well, but the, the, the brilliant ones for me are the, are the human ones, the ones that go yeah. right, the ones that come in and want to do it out of a book and and don't get the sport it, it's not tennis isn't for you and if you get frustrated because that's the sport well the sport's bigger than you and that's what the sport is you know but the ones that come and absolutely own the sport get to know every little detail then yeah. absolutely they can they can have that 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 effect on it you know yeah, yeah. and you know and I, and I feel that you know definitely with like like psychologists you know i think i've always said you know if you if you do work with a psychologist great but they almost need to be very much hands-on and you know and come to the events come to yeah. matches because it's the only way that you uh, you know you, you get to feel the situation yeah um you know by being around the player at tournaments and dinners and etc and obviously you know seeing the matches live yes you can watch a match you know on on you know on, on tv but it never quite had you know it never quite has yeah. the same effect yeah and being obviously working and with kedders and being around that that level what's what does his sports science support look like you know how 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 detailed is that yeah, it's de it, it is detailed. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's been very fortunate. He has a very good trainer in, in, in Speedo um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and the work Speedo does with him has been, you know, has been excellent. 
um, and you know, and then we actually, from a nutritionist point of view, you know, he, you know, he has that, you know, help um, psychologist. It, it's something that we, you know, that we've discussed. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it, it's not easy to find that person. Um, obviously, the, the the data side, the analytics side, we we use, and I, you know, and I really enjoy that side of things. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a fine line again with with what you show your player, you know, with, with that stuff, you know, some really like it, some don't like it at all. Um, you know, so I think there's a, there's a, there's a balance of it. Um, I feel that quite a good thing to do with, 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 with players of that level is to put together little projects. Um, you know, certainly say like now going into pre-season, you know, it'd be nice to it'd be well going to, you know, put a project together of, you know, various situations, patterns of play, things that we think can be better um and and i think if you show them projects i think you know it, it, it's good and, it, and and i enjoy it just for your own peace of mind to know you're completely on the right track um yeah. i think you know definitely helps 100 with practice yeah. um because you've got you know you've got evidence to back it up yeah. so i think again you don't want to overload it but 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 i think it's it, you know it's 100 got you know got got its place can you give us an example of, of where you've used analytics and, and in, a, in a successful way? Um, I think obviously, well, we've obviously used it on, uh, on Davis Cup. Um, yeah. one, you know, definitely you know, as, as, as a team. We, again, even on Davis Cup, we've battled with sometimes giving them maybe too much, not enough. Um, but I never forget like the first tie that we, that, that, that we ever had um against against turkey at eastbourne you know we literally geared practice you know around the information that we had gathered on you know marcel ilhan and you know and it and it you know and it obviously worked you know very well um because and all the the drills were set up you know in basically playing you know ilhan on friday um so that worked but then, you know, then I'll give a counter side to it where it's a dangerous game because we played Canada, you know, on a bullet fast, you know, indoor court, you know, against Pospisil. And I think there's a danger where you can say, oh, on, you know, on break point, Pospisil, you know, loves to go out wide, you know, and the first break point comes and Pospisil bangs one straight down the tee. Um, and, and that's where... I think you know you do have to be you know you do have to be careful. So mm -hmm. I think it's it's horses for courses. It's with, with each individual player, you know each individual player is you know is, is different. Um, and then probably from a, from a Kyle you know a personal point of view, I think it's you know it, you've got to find out what you know what does Kyle want to you know what want to see mm -hmm. um, or what do you think would be good you know good to show him. And obviously, you know, I, I believe that, you know, Kyle could, you know, can come forward a little bit more. So if you can show him footage of when he's, you know, of when he's done it yep. and opportunities when, oh God, Kyle, you could have been in there. Um, yep. I think that that, it, you know, it can only be, you know, it can only be, um, you know, good, good information. Yep. Um, and I think also, which I'm a big believer in, is that I always record, you know, week to week, you know, day to day, that the sessions, that you know, what happens in practice, yep. and and I think that, you know, it's like anything, if, you know, if you if you're struggling, you can you can go back to when it was oh when it was really good, mm -hmm. and you yep. can think oh well this week we actually did x y you know x y and z or we put this many hours in. Yeah. Um, so I think anything that you, like I say, that you record or you're able to watch, 
you know, can only, you know, can only help. Yeah. But do you, so if we take about, if we take Keddes' situation, are you, are you presented with data or analytics from, I guess the LTA guys will, will help out with that for yes. you, for you to then interpret and and then used to, to help Kedis because I guess the the difficulty and we've spoke a lot about analytics on the podcast. It's the listeners you probably understand. I'm 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 fascinated by it. You know we've had Craig O'Shaughnessy yeah. on, um, yeah. we've had Magnus Tiedemann who basically yeah. said, well, nah, you know you see it with no. your eyes, which is all you know, and everyone's yeah. everyone's got their different takes on it. But I guess the thing for me that. I find very interesting unless you've got someone that's actually bringing you the data in a, in a, in a packaged way that's individualized to your player. It's such a minefield out there. It's very difficult to do, but I would imagine with Ked as you're getting that sort of information. Yeah. So, so like I say, so we, you know, we, we have um, someone at the LTA that would basically, you know, feed, obviously, you know, all the matches go on there, that all the matches are tagged. And it's very much my my role to say, look, can we pull this out? Can we pull that yeah. out? Um, you know, and again, you know, not going overload on it, not too much stuff. Um, but but for, but for me, that that's the best. Like I say, that you know that that that's the best way of um, you know of, of doing it. No, no, absolutely. So, Beach, we've kind of touched on you as a coach. Yeah. What's your philosophy? Uh, good question. Uh, my philosophy, I think that I think. Colin Peacher has always been renowned for, you know, for bringing um, a high level of, 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 of intensity. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, big believer in, in volume. Yeah. Um, and, and when I say volume, I don't just mean just, you know, yeah, well, I'm a big believer in repetition of, you know, of, of, of shots and, and, and training. Um, but that's not just like endless, you know, endless mindless kind of like hitting, uh, but I, you know, like I say, I do believe in volume, do believe in repetition, um, big time believe in working your players patterns of play. Yep. Um, because I think that if you can just install, right, you know, what is your player? What is your player? Is he an aggressive baseliner? Is he a counter puncher? And be very clear on what his style of game is. Yep. And then you do everything in your power to, to try and train those those habits and, and and those patterns yeah and the biggest thing that i've become more and more um massive on over the probably you know over the years is serve and return yeah and 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 literally i would just do endless amounts you know of, of serve and return because i just as, as we know i just think it's a you know it's it's a vital vital factor um yeah. and and i and i think one thing that's always stood out for me as well is um which again, if we go back in time, I think we were all better with was um, almost like hand skill, volleys, slice, yeah. you know, coming forward. I, I generally believe that the three things that aren't practiced enough or trained enough is that yeah. is serve and return um, fr from a from a younger age. Um, I think that maybe we, we 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 kind of had that in our armor because we obviously played an unbelievable amount of outdoor tennis when we were growing up. Yeah. So you were forced to kind of, you know, learn those skills just because of the, the, the situation. Um, and I think I see so many, what I say, you know, the younger generation now 
whether it's the smash or the or the, the volley that, that kind of like get missed or or the slice just because it just hasn't been you know in my opinion just hasn't been trained enough yeah. um, and it's the same with the serve and return you know you see so many situations of of I always give the analogy if you were if you had a spy camera and you went around the country from Monday to Friday um, not not trying to be clever but went to all different centers to different clubs I think it would make awful reading at the end of the week to see how much serve and return has actually taken place mm-hmm. um, because you, you would go to centers and there'll be ground strokes going on ground strokes going on and I always say if you had a pie chart you would see forehands and backhands it would probably be at 70 70 percent maybe even 80 percent and 20 percent would be spent on you know kind of like serve and ball three or even serve and ball four which i actually say now and 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 return and then the next ball after that um and the same with like hand skill stuff um so i think if there's one thing that that i've really tried to install is to you know is to basically have that in you know in my armor of you know in my armor of coaching but I think also, Beach, I don't know what you think of this, but like I'm not sure we w- probably were taught a lot of those things either. I think our environment taught us that, you okay. know, and you know, we were there was so much, even I mean, even when I think about a Bisham, the, the amount of times we just jumped on the court and played touch or played tank okay. touch or <laughs> played, played, the, played the four grand slams, you know, one in the boxes, uh, Wimbledon, you've got to serve volley, French Open, you're not allowed to volley hit the ball as hard yeah. as you want, just putting ourselves, and I've talked about this on a couple of podcasts as well, like just getting yourself out of danger, like in a game yeah. against the wall or just yeah. manipulating the hand a little bit different and, you know, yeah. being able to do that. And it, it, it just, it does feel like life is currently programmed yes. <laughs> to, I couldn't, I couldn't, to the minute. Yeah. No, and I couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, obviously I always tell the story with like you know volleying against the wall I mean I'm a massive you know a massive believer you know in that and and the years I would have spent going you know finding a wall or going onto a squash court you know volleying against the wall and half volleys against the wall um you know and it, and it just helps you know it helps massively um you know and you see tennis clubs now where walls have literally just that they've just been completely knocked down that they you know that they're not there anymore and they proper you know they would have proper served the purpose yeah. um and then the one thing that we that we that we definitely have to mention is that you know the club matches you know the 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 the, the, the doubles matches the doubles yeah. match against you know an older guy that's you know so awkward um yeah. and as i think in this day and age now if you said to you know a parent or you know, I'd love your you know your son or your daughter to play a club match this weekend. They, I think they would almost look at you as if you're like you, you've gone mad, um, because it's a club match, or you know, or or you know, like, or you know, there, there, there's because or there's, there's there's no there's no coach there, or the, the session's not scheduled in. Um, so I think we've definitely you know we, we've we've gone away from that, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I think that that, you know, it does have a big bearing on, you know, on, you know, on them as, as tennis players, as overall tennis players. But the danger of getting my hammer out and bashing sports scientists, which I have to be careful because I've got, I got a lot of good friends and a lot of, a lot of respect for them again. Is that also not a little bit linked to 
oh no that's load too much load going through the body yeah. oh no they can't play you know it's it, it's almost again i go back to this whole thing about the sanitized it's yeah. almost everything's too sanitized now yeah. you know and, yeah. and uh, i couldn't agree more like that's yeah. definitely where we learn our skills yeah and, and i think that it's probably sanitized i think if you if you it's, it's probably sanitized at the younger at the younger generation i think the, the older generation now they still play you know and you know an unbelievable amount you know an unbelievable amount of tennis and you know and and you know like i say you know you take evo for example you know he loves all those volley games take ked for example you know he loves playing all those volley mm -hmm. games and we'll play for, for hours doing it and you know and, and obviously no one's saying oh no you can't do that but I think when you're dealing with the younger generation, they are obviously a bit more, you know, governed by, you know, what the coach or the physical trainer says, because they're probably not going to say, oh, no, 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 we're, we're just going to crack on and, and, you know, we're going to go and play the club match on a Sunday or Saturday. So I think that it's it's at different stages that that's probably happening, you know, a little a little bit more. But but I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, if, if more kids could do that and more serve and return could happen. And and the other thing I say with serve and return is it's got to be done. You know, I never forget when we were when you know my lesson back 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 in the day was, you know, 50 minutes, and then the coach would just say, I'll just serve the basket down, you know. Mm -hmm. But but actually, I would have probably, you know, looking back on now, I would prefer, you know, the hour, 20 minutes of serving you know, 20 minutes of returning, you know, that actually, you know, you, you happily give the coach, you know, his money for that, because actually that, that is, you know, vitally important, yeah. um, you know, and the way the serve and returns practiced, you know, yeah. it's got to be practiced with a, and how many times do you see younger kids, you know, the guy serving and just wasting a return, you know, he's not locked into the return and, you know, and over time, you know, that, 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 that gets wasted. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look busy, does it? You know, it if I, if, if I'm paying 40 quid for you to look after my kid and I'm sat on the balcony. Exactly. And, and I'm like, you know, whereas if you're absolutely grinding in the yep. corner or up and down yep. half court, yep. it has that yep. feeling of busyness and intensity. And exactly. yeah, that's what I, and the sweat on the face. And that's, that's you know, and that, that's where I think also there's, there's some education needs to be done as well. Yeah. Um, what are your skills? I guess if I go back actually a step, Beach. Yeah. One thing that I think is is impressive, but also uh, with you, but also I think a lot of people in British tennis would think, how's he's always been there? Because if if we think about, yep. I suppose during all of the different regimes that went through, and I know you're now not currently uh, working for the LTA, and you're in in a, in a different position. But how have you managed to stay in the regime, and what are the skills that you you have personally you think that have enabled that? I think the biggest one has been communication. Yeah. Um, I think you know, hand on heart. I think obviously, I feel like I'm you know a very good a very good communicator. Um, I think I'm like you you know nicely said at the start you know a decent dude, and, yeah. and I think the biggest thing I give people time. Yeah. Um, I will literally chat, you know, we'll chat to anyone um, about anything. And, and I think that that, you know, has been, you know, has been a massive, a massive thing. And I, and I enjoy, you know, chatting to people. And, and I think that, you know, people laugh when, you know, I'll go to a tournament or, 
you know, certainly when I start with 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 someone, or it, certainly when I started at JTC, when some of these younger people didn't didn't necessarily know who I was, and then we'd go somewhere, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, Beach, you you know everyone," um, and and I think that that's kind of what you know what what, what has happened really, um, and and you know and and God bless it, I you know I owe a lot to um, Paul Hutchins. You know, yeah. I would have said he was, you know, he was a massive mentor of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think that I've always said that I feel I will be that Paul Hutchins, um, yeah. you know, that I will always love British tennis. I'll always yeah. be in British tennis. And, you know, and as we know, Paul gave everyone time. He yeah. spoke to everyone. Um and I think just the nature, and I think also the nature that I still love playing tennis myself, mm -hmm. um, I think goes, you know, goes a long way. I still love kind of, you know, keeping fit and, you know, and running. And, and, and I think that people hopefully kind of like re respect that, that I'm, you know, I've just turned 50 last week and I'm still happily, you know, get out there and play and, 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 and train. Absolutely. So, so I think it's like, you know, like, yeah, a, a combination and hopefully obviously my, my, my coaching ability as well, but I think just probably myself, just, just generally as, as you know, as, as a person really. Yeah. And, and I think I'm able to laugh at myself. Um, I think I've stayed young. Um, and I think the one thing this job does, you know, it keeps you young because you're around obviously young people. Um, you know, obviously I do the, you know, I do the social media stuff, you know, the Insta, and I think I have a nice balance on there of, yeah. you know, of being, you know, fun, but, you know, serious at times, but I, but I kind of stay away from, in a way, in a, in a weird way, I actually stay away from tennis on that. Um, yeah. for, for whatever rhyme or reason, I always pick, you know, pick, pick my moment. Um, and I think people, you know, you know, like that. So yeah. I think, yeah, but I think communication you know communicating is definitely you know a, a big a big 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 factor of it and i would agree and, I, and again i think there's some lovely messages in their beach and i would i would all also jump on the openness of communication yeah. so i think i think one thing and when we think of a typical LTA coach, and again, anyone listening to these podcasts, I'm certainly not a basher, but I think it is it is an important subject to, to bring up. I think naturally what comes over or has come over the years is is quite a lot of defense, a bit of a defense mechanism naturally, you know, a yeah. bit of a barrier, probably yeah. because they're getting absolutely hounded and I I, com I completely get it. And yeah. and I would say over the years there's there's been that typical feel. And, and, and I think yeah. where you've done such a good job is you've, you've never come across as that, you know, yeah. and, and, and I even think, you know, like Lloyd Glasspool, who I worked with from a very young age, who I know you've helped over the last few years, like yeah. whenever you would come up and see him or it felt different, you yeah. know, it felt, yeah. it felt like it wasn't the LTA coming to judge and, you know, be on us and, and, and I think there's such a lovely message in there for, for all of us as human beings, you know, to have have that openness and, and humility in our, in our communication that what you've achieved as a coach and the people that you've worked with, you've never thrown that in people's faces. And I, and I, and I think that's a nice message for people to take from your beach. Yeah. No, and I would and I would agree with that. And I always used to, you know, work on the theory that, yes, I was an LTA, LTA employee, LTA coach. But if I went to a tournament, 
I would happily stay back until whatever time at night and, you know, watch that match of the person that, you know, that I wasn't, you know, necessarily, well, yeah. I wasn't there with or, but I would always be, yeah, I never saw it. What am I trying to say? You know, never saw it as, oh, you know, I'm just with that person and, and oh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't worry about anyone else type of thing. Um, yeah. And I, and I think I've kind of, and, and I think, that probably basically comes back to how I would have gone through my journey as a player. That yeah. um, yes, I was kind of very much an LTA, you know, boy as such. But when I was, you know, out there playing, you know, Dave Felgate, Billy Knight, I wasn't necessarily, you know, that they looked out for me, um, yeah. and there was no real reason that they had to necessarily look yeah. out for me. So I think I kind of like, you know, yeah. and that's how I've kind of carried on in my coaching yeah. career, really. Yeah. No, the power, the power of being acknowledged is yes. massive yes is yeah. is bigger than anyone can can ever believe just yeah. to be acknowledged just to yeah. be hi yeah. how are you you know yeah. how's things well done good luck so yeah. you look great out there you know those sort of comments is this is more than tennis i guess but you know this yeah. is this is life itself you yeah. know how are you how are you doing you know these things and when we talk about we've talked a lot about mental health on on this podcast as well but just just that ability to make someone feel yeah. like you like you give a shit, you know. And I think I think that's a skill that that you've certainly certainly yeah. done very well, Beach. To get yeah. to get into, I guess, a couple of almost differences, if we almost call this category, you know, differences you've worked with. I don't remember many players in Britain over the last 20 years that you haven't spent some time with, you know, I mean, you were, you were at Soto with Dan Evans last year. You know, I know you've worked with a lot of the girls over the years. First and foremost, what do you think the differences, if any are in working with boys and girls? Um, again, very good question. I don't uh, look. Yes. Th there's differences. But I've always, in my coaching, I've worked on the theory that everyone, you treat everyone individually. Yep. So, so whether they're a female, whether they're a male, it, it actually doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how you, how you work with Heather Watson compared to how you work with Jodie Burridge is, is different. Yep. Um, how you work with Dan Evans to Kyle Edmund is, you know, it is different. Yep. So, you know, like you, like I say, you saw me over in, um, you know, Soto with, with, with you know, with, with Evo on the clay. And obviously how I approached it with Evo, you know, it's, it can be very much um, game-based. The drills are, yeah. you know, a game-based because he loves that. Someone like Heather Watson, you know, she loves that. Kyle, he's happy to do unbelievable amounts of repetition. You don't have to point score it. So yeah. from a tennis side of things, I, I just think you've got to know what works best, what makes the player tick and what, what, what works, you know, best for them from a tennis side. And then away from tennis, you've also got to work out um, what works best. Yeah. You know, when do you talk to them? Um, do they, do they like, you know, like I'm a massive believer, you know, maybe uh, eight o'clock at night, you just, you know, it's like last night, you know, I hadn't seen Jody for, you know, for a while. And I watched her practice yesterday and I was like, wow, you know, she's made some big strides. So I just literally sent her a voice note. Look, Jody, I, you know, I loved watching what, you know, what the work that you were doing today. And, you know, and that goes, you know, and those, those last type of things go, you know, go a massively long way. And okay. so, 
you know, and it's the same head, and, you know, tech, the great data. So what I'm trying to say is that I think it's just everyone is individual and you've got to find ways of, of making, you know, of making it work with them and, and what makes them tick. Um, yeah, I mean. Great answer. Yeah, I don't really no, know. Great answer, Beach. Great answer. What else and, to say, really? No, no, yeah. you don't, you've, you've said it perfectly. And I think... Um, inject that coaches inject that into your blood that's you know it's that's it that's right there for me you've just described why you've been at the top of the game working with some of the absolute best in in britain now for 30 years and that why you will do for the next 20 years as well yeah you yeah, get I, it yeah and, and i think just my, you know my other point on that is you know obviously you've been massively involved with you know with, with, with davis cup and you know and i completely completely know you know the one thing about davis cup is everyone has completely known their roles you know what part they play in davis cup and obviously yes of course i'm you know the coach at davis cup but i bring that other side to it with you know with organizing the cornhole the you, you know the the temping bowling back in the day you know many things but again i have to use my feel there as well because you know, I've got to know, right, no, do you know what? Maybe tonight they all look a bit, you know, a bit whacked tonight. They probably don't want to play cornhole. They probably just want to chill and go back to the room. So even in that situation, I kind of know when to think, right, well, we need a bit of a lift here. You know, I will never forget when we played Russia and we were, sorry, we lost two matches on the Friday. Yep. Um, and... I want to say it was the Friday night or it's definitely the Saturday night. I literally arranged like we were playing golf around the hotel, you know, just to try and lift the spirits. And, and that was the right time. But there's been times when I thought, you know what, I'll just leave it tonight. You know, they don't need beach bloody come on. Let's play a pool tournament. They just want to chill. So, so I think it's very much, like I say, it's very much a feeling thing. Um, and I think, and, and basically fundamentally the art of coaching, you know, is very much a feel. Um, yeah. And you know, and I'm not going to, you know, and, and I think some, you know, some coaches you think, oh no, you've got the feeling wrong there, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, and that takes that takes experience, um, and obviously also messing up as well at times yeah, yeah. to think, oh Christ, I got that wrong, um, and I'll be the first to put my hands up when I think, oh, I got that wrong. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Were you the one that brought the Strictly Come Dancing to the Last Davis Cup? No, that, that was that was Leon, which was everyone's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I, I sat there watching that when that when that oh, video came out and I thought, oh my God, if I was a player there, that would just be... No, no, no. I think even, even for me with my personality, I think we all went into our shell there thinking, oh, no, no, I don't want to get called up here. <laughs> no, I, I must admit, I thought everyone, everyone, certainly on the edited version of the video, everyone yeah. did a really good job, you know, to, yeah. not looking too embarrassed. Um, what about developing a junior player compared to developing working with a, a more established professional player yeah um i think that again i would be very honest to say that my skill set would be very much i want to say probably from 14 onwards yeah um i think i would you know if you said to me oh you've got an eight nine year old not saying i wouldn't necessarily know what to do but i'd be certainly wouldn't feel you know as as, as comfortable for sure um, but I would say from 14 upwards, I would be very, very comfortable with the, you know, the development of, you know, of, of, of a junior player. 
Um, and I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that I'm, I'm again, because I said, you know, I said about it, repetition and volume, their base, you know, they have to be able, you know, to have like a firm, solid base. And when I mean a base, it basically sounds basic, but literally put the ball in the court, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think you know, the, the unforced error account is like, no, no, come on, let's let's reduce this. And, and so fundamentally work with, you know, with, with, a, with a base. And then we start, you know, we've heard the old saying, you know, build it like a cake, you know, and then start building. But if the base isn't there with, you know, with, with that, then I think, you know, it becomes, you know, it makes it very tough. Um, and, and then, as I say, and then just start developing all the things that, you know, that, that I spoke about, you know, definitely make sure that they, you know, they have, they have an understanding of how to, you know, to come forward, you know, the volleys, you know, the smash, the bounce smash, all little intricacies that need to be, you know, that need to be trained, you know, get it, get it installed in them from a young age with this, you know, with, with the serve and return, you know, yeah. this has got to be practiced properly, you know, do it with, with the utmost respect matches, you know, as we know, nothing beats you know nothing beats playing matches you yeah. know get them as playing as many matches as many matches as possible um to experience that um again if you can't get the, the real real matches because of whatever rhyme or reason then the practice sets yeah. um you know they need to they that you know that they need they need to happen you know on a, on, a, on a regular basis yeah. um and really keep it very simple you know i'm yeah. a big believer that it's like drill drill it in the morning and the afternoon you play, um, oh, yeah. you know, you've experienced over there, you know, very much the, 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 you know, the Spanish way. And if we went to, you know, 10 Spanish academies, you know, it's pretty much the same, you know, oh, yeah. the drills would be the same in the morning. And then, you know, the, the, the two guys or the two girls, right, gone off you go and play, you know, best of three set match. Yeah. Um, because, you know, fundamentally, it, it, you know, it, it's simple. We don't have to make it complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have to normalize competition as well. I think from a young age, I think it's a, it's unbelievable how many players I see out there that are undercooked when it comes to, to, to matches. And and I remember, um, I always like to study players' matches. So yeah. it was like City Pass, the year he made it through. So he was playing juniors, and then he was starting to play a few futures. I think he played like ninety-eight matches, and Shapovalov played like a hundred and two. Totally, yeah. And then, and then I looked at a couple of our guys, and I'm like, guys, you played 27 matches. Exactly. You know, and 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 that's it. You know, and you and you go back. You know, Tim Hemel will always tell the story. You know, the year that he, the same thing. You know, he was up at something stupid like you know 90 matches. Um, you know, with with your South America trips, the ITFs. You know, he played so many singles, doubles. Um, and at the end of the day, there, there's nothing. You know, there, there's nothing that beats. You know, playing matches and experiencing that. Um, you know, and as I say, last year, you know, I had a situation with you know with Kyle, which I actually did a webinar earlier in th this year, and and it was just basically about one, you know, one practice. You know, Ked was on a you know a, a, a poor run of like losing, and um, and I just basically set up practice matches. You know, the week before Vienna, I said, Ked, you're going to play a match every day. Um, mm -hmm. And I literally just set it up and, you know, and no disrespect, you know, the first day he played Arthur Ferry and he was in a dogfight. I, I actually want to say he kind of came unstuck first set, losing it 7-6, but we played it as a proper match, you know, mm -hmm. as close 
to a match as we can, you know, ball change at seven and nine, me yeah. actually not talking to him because it was like, you know, him getting his ball, you know, it was a proper, and, you know, and, and before you knew it, by the end of the week, he'd played 12 sets of tennis, you know, and then, okay, yes, he ended up losing to Berrettini four in the third in Vienna, but ooh, it was a lot, lot better than what mm. it had been. And then the week later, he makes third round of Paris and the Davis Cup, we saw how he played at Davis yeah. Cup. And, you know, and I'm not saying it was all, because, but, but it was like, it was needed. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it worked. Yeah, I think Evo said on the podcast, he, well, he did say, he said, we all know at the start of the year for those British futures, the favourite is the one that's won the British tour, the, the British tours the couple of weeks before. Yes. You know, and that kind of, there is absolute no, absolutely no substitute from, yeah. From winning matches almost at any level, any level. At, it you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all relative. Whatever level it is, you know, winning matches, you know, goes up. You know, you see a guy that's you know been winning in challenges, then he gets his opportunity in a tour event. More often than not, he yeah. actually, you know, he do, he does something. Yeah, because he's just been used to you know used to winning and converting break points, and, and you know, and that and that's what happens naturally. Yeah. So. Last couple of things on 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 being a coach, I guess, Beach. And I guess my first question is is around how you've managed to basically twenty five years be on the tour, pretty much, you know, and spending so many weeks on the road. You know, how how have you managed that with a, a young family, a wife, kids, young kids, and yeah. and what's the realities been of that? I tell so 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 this this is actually quite close to my heart really in that obviously um I met my wife um and it it's pure uh what's the word it, it's almost a bit freaky in that my wife's father actually was was a black taxi driver and he was um and he was actually was a tennis coach um and God bless him, he literally passed away within six months of, of, of meeting Gaynor oh, wow. um, with bone cancer. And it was just absolutely amazing that my dad kept all my uh, results from a very, very young age, from when I was like, yeah, 12, basically, on like a, on like a spread, on, on a piece of paper, like a spreadsheet. And the very first result was Colin Beecher played Grafton uh, tournament, lost to Ian Donegan, 6-4, 6-3. And Ian Donegan is basically Gaynor's brother. So it was almost like, wow. And and so what the point I'm trying to say is the love of tennis in that family was yeah. huge. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and basically Gaynor ball girl at Wimbledon, Gaynor's sister ball girl at Wimbledon, they live in Rains Park, which as we know is 10 minutes from Wimbledon. So... It was almost like I've been allowed to do this journey with absolutely no problem at all from a from a from a person from a personal point of view with 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 obviously Gaynor. Mm. Um, because I think if her father was around, oh my god, he would have absolutely loved it. Mm. Um so I've been unbelievably fortunate like that. Um and then obviously, yes, we have two kids um mm. in Matthew and Alice. And, and I think that the point I'm trying to say, and I've got to be careful what I say here, is that when young coaches say to me, but, you know, I've just had a newborn baby, you know, how, 
you know, I'm, that's it. You know, no more travel for me now because I've got a newborn baby. My opinion is actually that's when you probably go and get all your experience. Yeah. Now, and I don't mean this in a bad way, in meaning because, oh, because your wife can be at home. But, but what I'm saying is, of course, you, you're, I've got to be careful what I say here because um, the point I'm trying to say is you can be helpful at home. But fundamentally, if you want to do the journey that, that eventually you want to be, you know, get all your experience and, and hopefully where I am now, you've got to get the weeks, you've got to get the years. So that for me is the time to actually go for it yeah. um, and, and build up the hours, build up the, you know, the, 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 the traveling weeks. And, and you know, and, and that's basically kind of what I did. Yeah. Um, I was 25, 30 weeks away which, yeah. you know, is a madness amount, you know, and then you, you know, you do think, oh my God, you know, I'm Matt and Alice going to, and, and, and hand on heart, you know, they would so that my point though, then is it does get to a breaking point though, where you think, oh, you know, the formative years with your kids, yes, you do need to be around. Um, and actually I, you know, I'm very close with Nigel Sears and I very much followed his kind of like path. Um, mm in that it got to a point where, and I actually took a, um, took a job or when I was with the LTA, I almost had like what I call like a two, three year gap where I wasn't doing the travel. I was with Leon and very much working where it was more back at home. And, and that's when I thought it was vital to kind of be around. Yeah. The formative years with Matthew, with Alice. Um, and, and in a weird way, I can go again now because yeah. I've kind of got Alice at Birmingham University and hopefully I've got Matt in the States at college and it's almost like, well, <laughs> I can, I, you know, now I, I go away and I'm actually very kind of like calm with it because I know that they're in a good place. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely insights and, and thanks for sharing. And I, I, I think the, the thing that I take from that though, Beach is, there's quite a few things have had to align there. Yeah. And, and, and you've obviously got a very special wife as well in, yeah. in, in Gainer who, who is, who has had that understanding and, and because the reality is it's difficult, you know, and I, and I think a lot of, there's a lot of coaches out there that go, I want to, I want to work on the tour. That's my dream. I want to sit in the box at Wimbledon. I want to do all of these. And I guess, what I'd also like to get across is what are the realities of that? Like in terms of weeks that you've spent away from home over the years, if you didn't have such an understanding wife, if you didn't have the setup that you'd had, it maybe yeah. isn't possible. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, yeah. so for those that are looking into this as a future, what are the realities of being a, a, an on the road to a coach? Well, the, the, the realities you mean in terms of how much you're away yeah yeah well i mean look i mean the, the realities of being away it, it's safe to say it's between 25 and 30 weeks yeah you know and i've been like i say i've been doing it yeah well 50 yeah, 20 25 years and you know and, and that's what's happened i mean that's pretty much happened you know every year um mm -hmm. bar you know okay a few years in there like i say where i slightly took a bit of a back seat with it um, but, you know, but, but, but that is the reality. And, you know, and the other thing about it, you know, it is a, you know, it's, a, it's a month, it's a, it's a seven day week and it's, you know, mm -hmm. and it, and it, and it is 24 seven. 
yeah. um, there's just no denying it. If you want to be in performance, you know, the amount of, you know, weekends where I'll be like, you know, let's do a session Saturday, or it might not be Saturday, but it might be Sunday at four o'clock, yeah. you know, so many situations, you know, like that, where, you know, it might be on a Saturday and I, and I say, come on, let's go and do the dog walk, but I'm, or, but I'm on court at 10 at NTC. And, yeah. and, and it's just, it's just become, you know, like I say, like, you know, a, a way of life. Yeah. Um, and, and fundamentally, you know, and it's the same with, with messaging and, and, and constantly thinking it, it, you have got to be totally invested. You know, if you're working with players, you know, you have to be, you know, totally invested in it. Um, 24 seven, seven days a week. It sounds yeah. mad, but, but it's almost like, you know, that, that, that's how, you know, that, that, that's how it looks. Yeah. And the amount of things that I would have, you know, missed, you know, over the years, I mean, it's just not even worth, you know, it's not even worth, to- look, I was 50 the other week. I was in Cologne, you know, and, and lovely, you know, Andy cared speedo, you know, it was a lovely, but you can imagine in Cologne in, you know, basically not allowed to step foot outside the hotel, yeah. but you know, it is what it, you know, it is what it is. And yeah. did I, you know, did gain, you know, lose sleep over it? No. Did I No. Yeah. I'm probably going to end up leaving for Australia on the, you know, 10th or 11th of December for probably yeah. maybe five, six weeks. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's just like I say, it becomes, you know, it becomes a way of life. Um, and and the other thing I would never do is, uh, what's the word? You know, never take it for granted. Um, yeah. You know, and when I do come home, and I am at home, you know, never. Yeah, I, I know that you know the, the line, and but I've been like I say, I think I've been, you know, I have. I've been very fortunate, and I owe a massive amount to you know to, to my family for that. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life. Yes, is my takeaway. You know, and it's and it's and it's. I, I think the I again, it's not for, it's not for today, but I have a bit of a thing with the word performance, and people want to be in performance, and they want to. You you truly have lived a, a, a life of high performance because yeah. you you have dedicated your life to try and to try and help squeeze out a bit more from elite tennis players, you know, and and I think there's there's so many people out there that like the idea of what they would call themselves as a performance coach, but want every weekend off. They don't yeah. want to work past seven o'clock. You know, they, they don't want to spend more than five weeks a year on the road. And, and I think it's just important that whether people agree with it or they don't agree with it, it is how our sport looks. Yes. <laughs> it, it's how our sport looks and it's, it's what it is. But I have to ask you beach. Cause I, I call it the, um, I call it the Colin Beecher rule. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and it hasn't been passed in my house um, as much as I've tried. Now, I've never traveled quite as much as you, but I've probably been a 16 to 18 week a year guy um, yeah. over, the, over the last few years. And yeah. I heard and I need you to tell me if this is true. I heard that the day that you get back from a trip. Yeah. You have a 24 hour window to adapt back to family life before you take over family responsibilities again. Is that true? Well, I think that that, do you know who, who um, mentioned that to me? Where I got that from was Dave Samuel, actually. Dave Samuel back in the day told me that that's, that's what he... Oh, really? Of, as if I'm putting it on Dave Samuel now, but I remember I'm him speaking to him next. I'm speaking oh, to him well, next. Yeah. Well, mention it to him because he definitely used to say to me, or... Oh, 
I, I almost have this kind of now he might he might deny it as well. But I think that there's I would say I, I, it's a very good question. And I think there's no question. I think now I would say it's a lot more easier. You know what I call coming back into yeah. you know what I call normal you know day to day life. But I think back in the day, there's no question. It, you know it took you know it took some adjust it took some adjusting because you've been you know you've been away for four weeks. Um, you know not literally doing what you want to do, but you know it's it's not easy. Um, and I think you know it sounds mad, but sometimes almost like when you arrive home, you know whether it's the you know, sometimes I used to think, well, God, it's better to maybe arrive home in the morning because, you know, you've got Gainer, you know, Gainer will be at work and the kids will be at school and you've actually got a day just to kind of like, oh, okay, get, get yourself straight and, you know, and, and then you're ready. Um, mm. So I think there's, there's definitely an element of uh, an element of truth in it, but I'm passing the buck onto Dave a little bit for that. Yeah. I'd, ho I'd hoped you'd said yes because I was just gonna. I was. I hoped you. I hoped you said yes, and that's what all travelling tennis coaches should have. So that our window. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I find myself. I mean, I, it'll be like the the Friday night. You, you're telling jokes about farts and whatever else, kind of stu playing stupid games with players. Yeah. And then Saturday morning, you've just had, I've got three young kids. I've had three young kids rugby balled at me as my my gorgeous wife, who is very supportive, uh, runs out to the coffee shop for five hours and I'm left with these kind of caged animals. And it's like, whoa, how do I, how do I find my feet with this? Yeah. Uh, last coach question. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with a player that is on a big losing streak? Well, again, I mean it, that that happened last year um, yeah. because obviously I was with Kyle, um, and this is not making no. Obviously, it was basically myself and Hiltz, who obviously you know we're both very fond of and very close to. So Hiltz obviously asked me last year. Um, to, to, you know, to, to come back on board with, you know, in, in, in the setup with those guys. And I was like, oh my God, would love to. Um, and then Hiltz um, obviously stopped with Kyle um, in the, uh, almost like in a way after US Open. So I then kind of like took the reins of, of Kyle. Um, but it was almost like I tell the story that it was a bit like when kind of like Roy Hodgson took the job at Palace you know, he was on, you know, he started at Palace and Palace were on basically on a bit of an awful run. Um, and and then Hodgson's looking at his next fixtures and he's thinking, oh my God, away at Man United, you know, you know, away at Arsenal. And he's probably thinking, well, I'm not sure where I'm getting some wins there. So the point I was trying to say is that I then took on Kyle with, you know, with, with obviously where he was on a little bit of a run of losses. And then he's going into, his, obviously, as we know, the tour into some very, very tough tournaments. Yeah. So fundamentally, he had a, you know, he had a run of, I want to say it was like nine first rounds. Yeah. Um, and and again, because of my nature, and I was like, Ked, let's just keep on working. Let's keep on working. Let's keep on trying to do the right things. Yeah. I would, I would, I would owe a lot to a converse. And this is the one thing as well. I'm never afraid to. Um, you know, to ask advice or to listen to people. Um, and yeah. and I remember having a very good conversation with a good friend of mine, Jamie Delgado, um, yeah. on the way home, because basically we went to Asia, three first rounds. He went to Antwerp qualies, 
um, and and he basically asked for a wild card, and he literally lost like four in the third, you know, first round of Antwerp qualies. And, and I said, Ked, come on, we, we, we're going to do this. You're going to, you're going to, you know, you got let's stick with it. You're going to finish the year. You know, who knows what's going to happen? And and I had a great conversation with Delgi, and I was saying, you know, just about Ked's game, and you know, and then it, and what came out of that was, you know, let's maybe let's just really really practice his strengths, mm-hmm. like. Not saying that we weren't, but let's proper, proper home in on, yeah. you know, on, on his strengths. And is he hunting his forehand enough? Um, is he playing backhand line enough? Yeah. And anyway, so the point I'm trying to say is, you know, that, you know, it was, it was great conversation. And then that, when we came back from Antwerp, that was actually the week when I arranged all those practice yeah. matches. Yeah. Um, and we came back from there and we, as I say, we played, well, he played probably 12 sets of tennis that week. Yeah. Um, and I just tried to say, look, come on, let's let's play the let's play these matches. Let's play these matches. You need sets. You need sets. You need the situations. And and I want to say that the rest is history, really, because, you know, we kept at it. And as I said to him, the day you stop working, Ked, then there's no chance, yeah, yeah. you know. But if you keep chipping away, you keep working. Who knows what's around the corner? Yeah, um, yeah. And I say lost to Berrettini, but then went to Paris broke the duck of beating, beating Baranka's first round, then beat Schwartzman, and then played a decent match against Djokovic and lost the first at 7-6. And it was and, and then obviously went to Davis Cup where he wasn't, you know, it was Evo and Andy. And then obviously, unfortunately, with Andy getting hurt, Ked stepped in. And then obviously, as we saw at Davis Cup, he yeah. played pr- probably the, the four of the most unbelievable matches. Yeah. Um, so... So, so that's really, you know, and, and, and as I say, that is a story that I, you know, that I actually spoke about on the webinar earlier in the year of, you know, how do you deal, you know, with the question you asked. And it's basically stick with it, probably go back to what what you know works best for your or how your player is most effective and uh, and train it. And I think probably if you're not winning, well, practice matches just to kind of even if you got drop down a level and, and, you know, and try and win some of that. Well, great advice. Cause I remember, I remember seeing you again. Oh, I've seen you in obviously lots of places beach, but, but in Sunderland tennis center was one February. David Brewer. David Brewer. Yeah, exactly. And I, and, and, and I guess the game, my point for the listeners, it's obviously we we've jumped into Kyle and obviously that's re- massively relevant, but I think also working down the levels. It it just it's the same it's the same Thank message. You. Get back on the horse. Keep working. Keep putting well, the hours in. Stick to yeah. basics. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember like David Brewer was was losing up there, and we, we stayed up in Sunderland, and we kept you know early mornings practicing. Then he went to Glasgow, and I want to say he qualified, and maybe yeah. he won a round or two or, or, or two matches. Yeah. Because all of this conversation we're having today. Whether it's Carl Edmund or whether it's a 14-year-old or, a, you know, like I said, I want to go younger than that. It, it, it's all relative. It's, yes. it, you know, it's all the same principles. Yeah. You know, no. serve and return for a 14-year-old is the same as it is for Carl Edmund at 26, at 26. It doesn't matter. Very good, Beach. So Colin Beecher, the tennis parent. 
how's uh how's how's that been how yeah give us give us some of the insights and yeah. i guess challenges of that you know i guess some people would say oh, davis cup coach colin beecher he's got all the answers he knows how to to be with to be with kids obviously your son matthew plays plays to a good level um yeah. how, how, how's that journey been um, that journey, obviously, the fact that Matthew is playing tennis and uh, and and loves it, obviously, you know, is is I, I love that fact. Yeah. Um, and has it been easy? Obviously, um, not. Um, I, you know, is and and I think that firstly, I think you you go back, you know, the years and years when he first started, and obviously, again, that was one thing because I was doing so much travel. Um, obviously, I wasn't at home, and. You know, and then I thought, so I felt like a bit like I'm not, you know, I'm not introducing Matt to tennis here. Mm. Um, and then slowly but surely, um, he started to get into it. And I started to spend more time, you know, with, with him on the court. And he got, you know, he got right into playing tennis. So that was obviously the, the, the first step. Um, and then he had some, what I'd call some, some good people around him, like, a, you know, a young age at David Lloyd Rains Park with his technique, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and things started to snowball and he started to, uh, to kind of like play more and more and, you know, and, and, and the tournaments, but, you know, with the tournaments, um, you know, he used to get, you know, unbelievably kind of like upset and, uh, you know, and his emotional control, you know, wouldn't be where, you know, you'd want it to be. And and it was kind of what I'd say quite, you know, stressful as, you know, as a parent and, and almost like a, a parent that kind of understands tennis. And, you know, and I would obviously go with him sometimes, wouldn't be able to go with him sometimes. And, you know, and the car journeys home would be, you know, would be tough, you know, some good ones, some bad ones. Um, and, uh, you know, and then it was almost like a case of like trying to make the right decisions for Matt, um, you know, with does he stay in school? Does he come out? You know, uh, does he does he do homeschooling? Um, you know, and, the, you know, obviously the, the, the big decisions and, you know, we decided at kind of like 14 for him to kind of, you know, no, you know, come out of, of, of regular school and, and, and do the homeschooling. And obviously, uh, again, as a teacher, so she was a bit like, Colin, you you think it's the right? And I was like, no, I think just so he can get the hours. Um, and, you know, and we, and we did that for a bit. Well, not that we did, did that till he kind of like GCSEs. Um, on hindsight, we'd probably think, you know, and he would say, God, probably should have stayed in school. So so I think as a, as a, as a tennis parent, I've probably made some good calls and, you know, we've, we, we've made some bad calls. Um, I think the, the, the reason that it has been um, the journey has made it at times tough for Matt is because not as if I'm some massive, you know, superstar, you know, person in Great Britain, but, you know, everyone, as I say, knows, you know, kind of beach. And so for Matt, it's not easy because yeah. wherever he goes, it's like, oh, what, what's your dad up to? What's your dad, you know, what's your dad doing? And and he definitely felt, you know, massive, um, whether it's pressure, you know, from that. And it made it, you know, and obviously he was always what I call slightly under the under under the spotlight in a way, because if Matt carried on, which, you know, he would, you know, I would get like messages saying, oh, I saw Matthew today. Oh, you know, and it's like, there's no way that would happen, um, in, you know, in a, in a normal situation. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think that made it, you know, has made it tough for Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And just to forward it on a little bit, he then, um, we then found him, he went to uh, Tyler Junior College. Yep. So he went to the States and, and basically that was amazing for him. And he's had two years there and, and I'll never forget the message he sent me uh, in his first year at Tyler, they basically won the NCAA like for junior yep. college. Um, which was amazing for, for him. And he played his, you know, number five and, and he sent me a message. He said, dad, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life because it, it is for me, you know, and it's me that's done this. Yes. And, and I was like, Matt, you, you, you're so right. Mm -hmm. um, and then he had a second year at Tyler. So he graduated in the, um, like this year, earlier this year, because of obvious reasons he had to spend, you know, come home with COVID. And, and obviously now we're in a situation where it's amazing we're, we're, we're talking about Matt because last night we decided, you know, we basically, it hasn't been an easy science to find another school yeah. and, and he's got another school and he's actually going to go back in January to do his last two years Great. now. And, and that has been um, a lot of conversation. Well, I want to say a lot of conversation. I came back the summer he did an amazing job with his tennis he's you know he has improved massively and and physically and i what i the word i use is i try and facilitate mm -hmm. so i literally if matt wants to play i play if he doesn't mm -hmm. mention it I, I i just leave it yeah, yeah. um and and because i know that he's getting plenty of tennis yeah. but i say to him all i want to do matt is facilitate and when i mean facilitate is that the session i do with him is purely on stuff that there is no way he's doing it with his you know in, in his kind of in, in the other mm -hmm. sessions and mm -hmm. and go back to it boring serve and return mm -hmm. serve and volley um diff different things that he's not that, that he's not going to do yeah. um so, so that's how i've operated with him obviously i love the gym he loves the gym so that's a bit of a win-win mm -hmm. um and and I've learned, I think, with with all our kids is that you you don't keep pushing. So even with this thing recently with with America, he was like, Dad, I want to try and play. Um, and I gave him obviously both scenarios. Um, I said, look, this is how the landscape can look like this. Yeah. But I, I my hand on my heart tells me that, look, a little bit more time at college, um, I think will do, especially yeah. in this current situation, will do you the world of good. Yeah. Um, Which college has he gone to, Beach? He's going to go to Campbell, um, which is in okay. which is in the Carolinas. Um, yeah. You know, and, and again, hand on heart, would he say that was his you know first choice? Possibly not. But I think considering everything, absolutely, it's like well, what you know, Matt. You know, January. We don't know what January is going to look like. No. You don't know what February is going to look like. No. So I think it's better to be outdoors in the states. You know, guaranteed matches, a, a decent schedule. Um, so again, it, even with your own son, you know, I'm picking my moments when I, when I talk yeah. to him, you know, yeah. we're in the car, the, he says, dad, can we talk when we, when we go in the, on the car journey? Cause I know it's a bit more relaxed and, and, yeah. and, that, and that's how I've operated with him. Yeah. Uh, so God, you know, so, you know, really, you know, yeah, not, not easy. Um, but. And yeah. how have your emotions when because i've got a matthew who plays tennis yeah. as well yeah. so I, i'm almost yeah. like 10 years behind you basically yeah. and i've also yeah. got, i've got an alexa not an alice yeah. who, who doesn't plays a little bit of tennis but not playing competition but yeah. how how have the emotions differed when you watch matt compete compared to when you sit there as as, as a coach 
yeah i think again good question you know i would i'd never want to say that oh when well i watched matthew you know my emotions are even even more through the roof i think if you like i say again if it comes back to you know what you love and if you're so invested in it you know you know i watch ked you know i'm unbelievably you know, I would never show it because you you can't, you know, you're never going to show your player that you're sitting there like a you know, like a nervous wreck. Yeah. But, you know, I'd be so, you know, so, so into that, just like I would be, just like I would be for Matt. Okay, I don't even want to say, oh, I'm, I'm more, more into it with Matt. You know, that, that's not the case. I think it, it's literally, the, it's, the, it's the same, you know, it is the same principle. I think obviously the emotions, you know, with, with Matthew, I think it's more like, yeah, that maybe certainly earlier on with the kind of like, I'm getting upset and what have you, that was more of a, yes. you know, more of a, more of a hurt than you know, I was like, oh no, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, all I say to Matt, I, you know, I, I want you to play at the end of the day. I said to him the other day, you know, hopefully you will have a life that, you know, that, that I've ended up, you know, having, but I want you to keep on playing for as long as you want. Yeah. You know, I will back yeah. it and back it and back it. Um, for as for, for as long as you want, and then you know, I think one day, uh, Matthew, you'll make a, a great coach, or you'll make an amazing physical trainer, yep. um, and and you can do that at thirty years of age for another thirty yep. more years. Yeah. You know, yeah, because what I experienced, Peach. So I mean, my boy's only nine; he's ten, yeah. ten later this month, and he's quite emotional. You yeah. know, he's like me. You know, yeah. I can I can feel it. You know, he's he's yeah. very competitive. Um, and what I what I feel when I watch him, and I, I only recently, I mean, for the first couple of years, it was it was genuinely just so lovely to see him just hitting tennis balls. Yep. But it's yep. serious is the wrong word because he's nine, but he's because he's had a little bit of success in the tournaments. He's yep. now playing in slightly bigger tournaments where it's it is it's a bit even at nine years old they're acting like tennis players in lots of ways, yep. and and what I have found really hard and I, I can tell I'm going to have to work at is again, nothing to do with how he plays, nothing to do with really the tennis, but just how he behaves and any, he, and he is going to be someone that is feeling quite intense feelings and he doesn't always cope with them the best. So yeah. I had a one the other day where his behavior wasn't good. And I almost sensed the whole tournament was looking at me. Totally. As yeah. the as the director of Soto Tennis Academy, oh, yeah. his son is now doing this. What's he going to do? You yeah. know, and then then I guess I have that reflection then on what Matthew must be thinking. Yeah. You know, with me being there, and I think that's that's the bit where I'm I feel some intense emotion. You know, yeah. not around your kind of your run of your mill. He's yeah. won. He's lost. He's you know I'm and 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 I think because because I also know that. The personality type that he is, it is going to be a bit of an emotional roller coaster, and I and I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. But I, I what I just need to, like I say, probably work through is how I then deal with the yeah. fact that maybe people are looking at me, you know, maybe a bit of embarrassment, and then and then you start feeling well, poor kids suffering here, and so you have that. Um. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. No, and I, and, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, and I think that's where, like I say, it's a little bit from a JTC point of view. You know, Matthew kind of came into yeah. JTC um, earlier in the, you know, we're talking maybe go back two years ago, 
and you know and I would be slightly on edge because I was thinking well, you know how's yeah. it going to be today and you know it's difficult because all those coaches are obviously good friends of mine and it's yeah. all so and then but since he's come back from the state well through the last you know three four months he's been a and he's been because I think at the end of the day they obviously mature yes. and and he's been a you know and he's and he's been great and yeah. you know, and certain people have done a you know a great job with him yeah. um so it, it does what I call kind of you know get get better um and uh, you know and sometimes he, I'm not saying that he, he shouldn't be at Soto is probably the wrong word but sometimes it's probably not the end of the world if he went on his little path yeah in Barcelona you yeah, know yeah. no it's you know it's a bit madness when you've got what yeah, you've yeah. got but yeah. you know there is there is there is a little bit to be you know mm. there is a little bit to be said in that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. that's interesting. It's, it's it's like anything. I think it's just again, it's very much the way you you know the, the way you put things. And I know that I'd be very calm and collected with my players day in day out. But I think with your own with your own kids, you yeah. know, it can might it you know it slightly raises you know rightly or wrongly. Um, yeah. I think it's very much about timing and, you know, and, and, and how, you know, and just how you put things across and how you discuss yeah. things and, yeah. and, and paint the picture really. And what's one bit of advice you would give to a tennis parent out there? I think you have to stay unbelievably level-headed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't be, you can't be emotional with it. I know it's, it's difficult, you know, probably not to be at times, but to stay very kind of like consistent with it, unbelievably supportive with it and and realize that you know they they, they can play for us you know, it's, it's, a, it's a long process so and if they love it then just keep on doing it and, and and keep on supporting keep on supporting them with it very good um last last bits before we go quick fire beach yeah. i could speak to you for another couple of hours but i'm conscious of your time and also the listeners time experiences and you've had some you've had many um yeah. Give us a little bit on the Davis Cup experience. I, I think that obviously, you know, it was, I think what tells a lot about that, actually, um, when I did my my 50th, obviously, you know, I did the old Instagram post and, uh, you know, and obviously one of the folk, you know, I thought actually strong and hard about, you know, the photos that I kind of like placed in there. Um, and obviously, you know, two of them were actually from Davis Cup. Um, you know, obviously the, the photo when we won it in Belgium um, and then a funny one where I was pretending I was a football manager, at, you know, at Real Madrid's football ground. And so I think that I think it's fair to say, you know, my, my Davis Cup experience has, has, has been, ama- has, has been amazing. Um, and I think it's it's more just the, 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 the highlights of... I think you know Leon led us as as a team, um, and and I think the one thing that we all knew we all knew our role in that team, yep. um, and I think when I you know and I'd feel very comfortable talking to any industry or or any yeah or any company about you know about that, and it was almost like everyone was clear and no one what I call stepped on the other person's toe. You know, it'd be discussion, but you, you, you know I knew that say Wheeler. Um, was very much involved with the analytics side with, with Leon. So if they were in discussion, I would just let them be in discussion. You oh. know, if it came to kind of, um, like I say, all, like Beach, I need you to kind of let, let's let's get the, you know, the atmosphere going or the, or, the, or, the, or the vibe going, I would, you know, be the person that, you know, sorted out, you know, Cornhole. Um, yeah. You know the the, the tournament, the, the pool tournament that yeah. you know that, that fundamentally relaxed relaxed the players. It was great fun. Um, 
and I'm not just saying that I was the, you know, the kind of like almost like the, the games person of, of, of Davis yeah. Cup, but but that had a massive, um, you know, like I say, a massive part to play. And you know, in some of the videos over the years of, you know, certainly cornhole, you know, the cornhole evenings in the player in the player room, um, the golf, like I spoke about earlier when we played Russia, you know, it was yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I come to the on-court stuff. And I think that because I still love to play and I still, you know, play to a, you know, a pretty good level, um, you know, I can bring that, you know, we can, can bring that side to it as well. Yeah. So, you know, the, the double sessions with, you know, with Louis and Jamie basically saying, no, come on, Beachy, you know, me, me and you and, you know, two, yeah. two up, two back. And, you know, and you bought, you know, I was able to bring, yeah. you know, to, to bring that side to it. And I always say that's, a, you know, kind of slightly going off track a little bit, I think, the fact that I say to a lot of young coaches as well, if you've been, you know, I'm not saying you have to have been a player to be a good at all, but if you've been a player, you know, a decent player, you must keep your level. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's vital in my opinion, because that's yeah. something that you've got that, that you've got to offer. And when I go to Davis Cup, like I say, I'm 50, but I'm still able to yeah. probably give, you know, give those guys a match warm up. And yeah. that's because I'm, I know that that's something that I can still add. Yes, uh, and I think it's vital that you can that you, you know, and even going into Davis Cup, I'm aware that I need to make sure that I'm still in you know decent shape, and I've yeah. looked after my shoulder because I'm going to be serving probably absolutely forever, you know, to to, to the boys, you know, to get yeah. repetition of return and serve. Um, and people like to, and this is something I try and tell all of our players and tell juniors players over the years. Some people are good to practice with. And if yep. you're someone who's good to practice with, then you'll get more opportunities. And if you get more opportunities, then there's a chance that your level will go up. And, 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 and even though it is an individual sport, it's amazing how selfish and just stupid some players are that yep. they actually, but what they don't realize is they, they then they're not going to get the opportunities. It might be at sort of tennis Academy, Evan yep. Hoyt will, he's earned the right to pick who he practices with. Yeah. And, and he might pick someone lower level who's mm. going to absolutely bring it because that's yeah. the environment he wants. And yeah. what I've seen over the years is you're someone people like to practice with your, your energy, your intensity, they know what they're going to get, you know, yeah. you, you're going to be on it. Um, yeah. And and I remember like at the, at the junior grand slams quite often seeing you hit with Andy Murray yeah. before yeah. matches. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your relationship with Andy and, you know, some of the things with Andy over the years, because you, you seem to have a very close relationship with Andy as well. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously, you know, had, you know, spent a lot of time with him over the years. And I think that, you know, I have, I've got very close to him and and he's obviously been amazing with me, you know, on, on many situations where I've gone to him, you know, for, you know, for a little bit, you know, for advice on certain things. And he's always, you know, taken time and, you know, and, and, and given that advice, um, you know, I've spoken to him about Ked and I said, look, you know, on, on some things and he's always very open and honest. Um, and then I've obviously spent, you know, a lot of time with him, you know, on the court, obviously through, you know, Davis Cup weeks. And I was fortunate to do like a four day, um, uh, almost like a bit of a camp with him in, you know, in Barcelona, going back probably four years now. Um, so, you know, and I would have learned, you know, a, a hell of a lot from, you know, from from his kind of like, you know, me mentality. You know, over the years and I think that you know and, and at Davis Cup you know he, he almost 
yeah, he does. You know, you'll say Beach, you know, come on. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do some work with Beach. Um, you know, and obviously, because I think, you know, he quite well, obviously I'll bring the intensity and we always joke about my footwork and probably joke about my technique as well. Um, and, you know, and, he, and I think they know, what, you know, what, the, what they're going to get. Um, and even like, we, you know, there's been a couple of Christmas days. I mean, there's another one as well. There's been probably the last, what, two Christmas days. You know, Andy said to me, Beach, any chance? And again, you know, you know, what probably wife or family <laughs> would allow you to like there you are on Christmas Day, you know, at four o'clock going to Wimbledon or you know, to go and do a little hour and a half on your courts there. Um, so I think, you know, and, and that and that that has generally, you know, kind of like happened. So and I and I think it is because of like I say, I'll bring that that level of intensity and I'll always and the other thing, I'll probably always make balls and you know, yeah. I'm solid and yeah. and yeah and they and they enjoy it well one of my favorite ever tennis stories i mean i have so many stories from the 2012 aussie open which yeah. is very special with josh and liam winning the doubles josh making quarters the opportunity of sitting in andy's box for the the epic match against against Djokovic. me and you went and watched i think melbourne somebody in a in a football yeah, match yeah, yeah. Yeah. But one of my favourite stories, and it happened in 2012, was you hitting with Andy, and it was one of yeah. the first times you met Ivan Lendl. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about that. I think you well, know the story I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I think, if I'm right in saying, I think Andy obviously played a match, and maybe the person might have pulled out yeah, during okay. the match. That makes I sense, think. yeah. And, and I think it was like, oh... God, no, Andy needs to play a bit more tennis here. Um, and so it was like, see, Ivan was there and Danny was there. And Danny basically sent me a message saying, Beach, is there any chance you could do half an hour with Andy? Um, and, and, and so I said, well, yeah, of course. So I go to the practice court. And obviously, that's actually the first time I've met Ivan. Now, yes. obviously, Ivan, you know, growing up for us, you know, God, we, you know, probably again, I loved Ivan for, you know, for what he stood for. And I knew he was an absolute workhorse and blah, blah, blah. So I was a little bit obviously in awe of probably Ivan Lendl. So we go to the practice court. Um, but obviously little did I know that they had obviously between them had all designed this plan that basically after a couple of minutes, Ivan, just literally stop practice and basically just rip into Beach's technique, you know, especially on the forehand. So, you know, I start hitting and literally two minutes into the hit, Ivan just stops practice and just basically just shouts down the other end, what is that forehand? You know, what is it? You know, it's like a windmill. It's like a windmill. And I literally was like, oh, my God, I was almost like devastated <laughs> and didn't know actually what to say. But I actually my words were, yeah, but I don't miss much on it. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then almost like the, 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 the practice carried on. But for a, for a split second and then they all cracked up laughing, obviously. But I was like literally <laughs> mortified that Ivan was just ripping into my uh, into my forehand technique. <laughs> Brilliant. And then I do yeah. remember as well, I used to, whenever I had a spare moment, I would go to the indoor courts because I, 
basically you and you and Ivan were just practicing like two hours a day on the indoor courts at Melbourne. Yeah. And I'd watch you guys yeah. playing 11 ups against each other. And it was yeah, so yeah. nice actually to, for me as well to obviously meet him that week and, and yeah. to see that personality of his come, come out in, in yeah. that environment that, that on the TV yeah. we don't quite see. Yeah, because in the end, like I say, I became very, you know, I did, I became very close to him and, you know, and, and yeah, and spent a lot, you know, a lot of time with him. Um, and like I say, and I think just just generally, you know, with Andy, I've, you know, I've always been close with him, I've always been very close with Jamie and, you know, and the people that have always kind of like, you know, been around him as, you know, as coaches as well. No, fantastic. So what's, what's next for Colin Beecher? Uh, good question. Obviously, I'm going to meet with Carl in the next couple of days and then really hopefully plot next year and, uh, and, and, and we carry on, um, obviously, you know, working together. Um, and it's all a little bit up in the air, to be honest, with Australia. Um, no one really knows, um, you know, when the start dates are going to be or when we need to leave and the quarantine two weeks over there. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, like, like it is for everyone right now, it, you know, it's unbelievably difficult to kind of like plan um you know we all love structure we all love planning but it's almost like a bit of an impossible science at the minute to actually do that um so i'm hoping in the next kind of like week we'll if we're clear on australia then at least we know that there's a there's kind of like a leave date um and fundamentally we'll do what i call like the pre-season you know before we'd have probably gone to miami or Ked would have gone to bahamas or but we're literally just going to stay put in london um and work out of ntc uh because you know to be fair everything's there and you know there there is no reason to there is no reason to go away and if the australia trip becomes like a six-week trip then it's madness to go away now anyway um so uh yeah so hopefully in the next week we'll be kind of clear with what's going to happen very good well good luck with that beach and before we move on to the quick fire i do have to say a massive thank you for your time it's uh no really enjoyed it it's been invaluable for me to to listen to you for two hours, and um, I'm, I apologise it's gone on so long. But I, I, again, I know the listeners will will take so much from it. So, are you ready for the quick fire? Yeah, I'm ready for that. Yeah. Roger or Rafa? Rafa. Davis Cup or ATP Cup? Davis Cup. How does your skin look so good? through a lot of care and attention over the years. There's got to be, there's got to, you've got to be bringing something out. You've got to bring your own range out at some point. I do. I do. I mean, that's, we haven't even, we haven't even got on that. That, that would have taken another hour to discuss my, <laughs> my skincare routine. A basket of serves or a bag of serves? Bag of serves. Anyone that knows Colin Beecher, he's always got a massive bag full of bag. tennis balls ready to serve at any moment. Yeah. Should I captain Wilfred Zahar this weekend in fantasy football? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's playing good. He's playing good ball, Wilfred Zahar. He's he's might he might be my man this weekend. The PTPA or not? Oh, not. Injury timeout or not? Should players be allowed it? Players should be allowed it. Do they abuse it? I think slightly more on the female side, they abuse it. 
Hard courts or clay courts? Hard courts. Indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. Is it true that chewing gum helps your jawline? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Didn't work. Didn't work. That's a myth. <laughs> One rule change that you would have in tennis? Oh, good question. The only one is, I think the the, the match that like the match warm up, obviously, yeah, reduce the time on that. But that's it. Otherwise, leave it alone. And who should we get on the show next? Oh, very good question. Um, it would be, wouldn't it be lovely to get maybe a football manager on the show? It would be. Have you got any links? <laughs> I'll have a think. I mean, maybe we ask Ked if we can get Jurgen Klopp on there. In that way, Jurgen will go down a treat with the listeners, I'm sure. Yeah. So if you yeah. can, so, if you can sort that and sort Andy Murray out for us, then that'll be great, Beach. Okay, I'll work on it. You were just the stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin Beecher, thank you so much for your time. You've been an absolute star, mate. Thank you for joining us so much. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it, Dan. So good. Really good. Thanks. Good luck and keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Big shout out to, to Colin for, for giving his time up. Uh, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts, guys, on, on what you learned from that podcast. Um, I certainly, I love that it backs up my opinion that it's you can just be a decent human, a decent person in this business. You don't always have to be gnarl and bite uh, to, to, to fight things. You know, people gravitate to, to other good people and Colin brings that through loud and clear. Also, the subtlety of treating each person as an individual. You know, I think we we are quick in this sport to label men, women, lefties, righties, you know, people from different cultures. You know, we're quick to, to label them as a certain type of person and type of player but you, you see it with Colin. And when you sit and talk to him in that moment, he's engaged with you, he's, he's listening, properly listening, and he's getting to know you. And that's what he's done with the players over the years, which is why all of the players do gravitate towards him and why he has played a role with pretty much every top British player over the last 20 years. You know, and I think there's, there's a lot to be said and that skill is subtle. <laughs> but it's a skill that not many have and certainly not many have it to the degree that Colin has. So I certainly come away with those two things loudly and clearly and they're as long, alongside many more learnings from that. Uh, next week, so you know, and next episodes, if you're not listening to these up to date, we have Fabio Morley, who is the... The mastermind behind Functional Tennis, which is pretty much the biggest online platform that there is for, in the tennis world right now. So coming from a different angle, but a, a, a really fascinating chat. We've then got two more that will be coming up the following week. And that's Dave Samuel, who currently Liam Brody coach. Dave Samuel, another one that just has so many years of experience. And also Ian Bates, who's the LTA's head of women's tennis. So we're continuing to bring great guests. 
We really appreciate your support. For now, I'm Dan Kiernan, my co-host John McGann. We are Control the Controllables. <laughs>